as human beings, one of the things that we have to do is we have to take in information from around us and figure out what to do with it. You know, you kind of look around and you see things, you smell things, you taste things, you touch things, and uh, what's the last one that I missed? Uh, what, am I missing one? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, there's five of them, five senses, right? Uh, and you have to take in information and you have to decide what to do with that information, right? Hearing, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's ironic, right? I'm talking to you and I forgot hearing. Anyway, so you have to take in information and you have to uh, express, you have to do something with that information, uh, decide if, it, if there's something uh, worthwhile in that information or just kind of discard it. Um, and with the advent of kind of what's known as the information age, right, 20 or 30 years ago with the computer, uh, they've actually started to do studies about how much information we take in on a daily basis, how much information you and I take in on a daily basis. So it's kind of uh, weird, but uh, we take in about 74 gigabytes worth of information a day, right? So uh, if, you, if you know uh, a hard drive, right, a, a, a little hard drive would hold like 100 gigabytes, a bigger hard drive is like a terabyte, that's like 1,000 gigabytes. So uh, you're taking in a ton of information. To give you another kind of reference point, that's like watching uh, 15 full-length DVDs or reading about a, a library floor worth of uh, books. So a lot of information. It's like watching the Harry Potter movie series twice, right? All of them, all eight movies twice. So uh, if, if you think about it, it's a lot of information. And that's just what we take in on a daily basis. They've done estimates about the amount of information, data, that is uh, actually um, produced, copied, captured, and consumed on the internet in a year. And I did not know the word that they used to describe this, and I had to look it up. 97 zettabytes. So zettabytes are like a billion gigabytes, basically. Uh, so that's like um, one zettabyte is 250 billion DVDs worth of information. Billion with a B. So that's like watching the Harry Potter series 30 billion times on repeat. Or this is the one that was more fascinating to me. It's like saying all of the words that humanity has ever spoken ever from the beginning of when we had language to now 200 times over and over and over again. Right? So this is a massive amount of information, and that's on an annual basis that's, that's being uh, consumed or captured or created. It's a massive amount of information. We live in a time where we have more information than ever before. And that data has benefits, doesn't it, right? You can figure out uh, where's the best restaurant. I can uh, figure out how to plan a trip to Alaska very easily. I could uh, buy a, a plane ticket to wherever I want to go. I can get something delivered to me uh, just the way I want it immediately almost, right? Amazon can get it to me in like three hours if I pay them enough money. Uh, it's incredible. The data that we have, and, and think of the goodness that uh, has come about because of that. You can learn things that you never would have been able to learn before. I watched a TED Talk once where there was a boy who was from a non-English speaking country, he had no one around him who spoke English, and he got on an app called Duolingo, and he learned how to speak English to the point that he could give a TED talk, right? The, like a 15-minute talk 
on video. And it wasn't perfect English, but it was amazing. He learned how to speak a different language because of that. But though that data has such great potential, though it's an amazing gift, it also comes at a great cost. The question used to be about how to get information, right? How to find information, about getting the information. You know, think when I was in, uh, in like elementary school, we learned how to use the card catalog, right? So parents, you can teach your kids what a card catalog actually was. Right? I mean, I've seen them at the garage sales. They're fun to play with, right? Like you can like, uh, I have a friend who throws cards and you could probably, that'd probably be a good thing to invest in if you wanted to throw cards uh, now. How we get information has changed. And because we have so many different sources of information, we're often overloaded and we can't distinguish signal from noise, truth from fiction. Signal is information that matters, right? It's, it's what helps us to achieve our goals. It's what helps you to flourish because it allows the mind's conformity with reality, right? It bears good fruit in our life because it is true. Noise is just trash, right? At, at best, it, it's just kind of harmless nonsense, uh, like the cat videos that we all love to watch on YouTube, right? Uh, at the worst... It's something that takes us away from our goal. It's something that actually harms us. It does not bear good fruit because it's false. And distinguishing between signal from noise, that's really essential for us. Now, how do we do that? First, we recognize that though it's on an unprecedented scale now, we have more information than we've ever had before, this isn't a new problem. It's not something that's new that we're experiencing right now. Um, in fact, throughout all of human history, we've had to figure out how to distinguish between signal from noise, right? When the lion was chasing us across, the, we had to pay attention to the lion, not to the bird in the tree. The lion, that's the problem, right? So we've always had to do this. And so we're capable of doing it. For as long as human history, discerning which voices to listen to has been important, which things to pay attention to, has been both important and a challenge. You know, if you look at the history of the people of Israel, uh, God actually says, this is what you ought to do. You should hearken to my voice and obey my commandments and you'll be a people peculiarly my own if you listen to my voice. The problem was they kept getting distracted over and over. They kept getting caught up in the noise of the nations around them and not paying attention to what God had told them, what God had given them. And so God doesn't abandon them. He sends prophets. He sends uh, these people, His mouthpieces, who say, hey, this is what God is saying. This is the way God is leading us. And um, in order to, to help them to know where to go, which voices to pay attention to. And that's also why then the people are going out in great droves to see John the Baptist in the Gospel today. They want to hear what he has to say. They're curious 
to know if it's just noise or if he's actually a prophet. They want his information because purportedly had some knowledge that would have been helpful to them. And God uses that. He uses that, uh, that curiosity. He uses that desire for that knowledge because John's goal in life, his vocation in life, is to testify to the light, to point out clearly, not just some point of knowledge, but the truth himself who will come. In fact, right, that's what his, his call is. Today in the gospel, he says, uh, metanoiate, that word was translated in our gospel today as repent. And that's a good translation, right? But sometimes the, our word repent, we just think of like, okay, well, I sinned and I did something bad and now I got to go a different direction. And there's a definite sense of that, right, in metanoiate, but it means something more. It means actually to go beyond, to go beyond the mind that we have to see reality as it actually is, to dis- be able to distinguish signal from all of the noise, to see reality as God sees it. So his call is to point out the one who will do that for us completely. John, like all of the prophets before him, helps those around him to see reality as this is, to distinguish the signal from the noise, but he's the greatest of the prophets because he doesn't just point out the way, but he points out the truth and the life as well. He points out him who is the way, the truth, and the life. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he points to the person of Jesus Christ. He shares his relationship with Jesus with others. He helps them to come to know Jesus and to know about Jesus. You know, last week we talked uh, a little bit about meeting Jesus and how that means discovering or rediscovering who Jesus is, why he matters, and, and how that discovery leads to a desire to follow him as a disciple. But John helps us realize that when we meet Jesus, we also need to come to know him more. To meet him and to know him are linked. As people who have met Jesus, this man who is God, We want to grow in knowledge of Him. We want to know who He is, what He did, and how He continues to act today, and what our response should be, right? This is a natural progression in every relationship. You meet a person, you say hi to them. What's the first question, right? Well, where are you from? What do you do? You know, like, what's your family like? All of those types of things. You start to know things about the person as well. And... It's so natural to do that. And it's also natural to do that then in our relationship with Jesus. Why? Because, and why is it so important that we do that? Because we can only love what we know. We can only love what we know. You, you who have been married for a while know this, right? You can love your spouse better now than you did on the day of your wedding. Or at least hopefully, right? At least you know how to annoy them better, right? So the reality is you can can love the person that you know better. 
Like if you, if you know someone more, you know their likes, their dislikes, you know the things that, that their heart desires and their heart doesn't desire, you can distinguish their voice better. You can love them better, right? And uh, you're able to uh, love Jesus better when you know him. And you're able to distinguish his voice from all of the information that comes at you on a regular basis. When we meet Jesus, we want to know Him more. In Advent, the church invites us to learn to love Jesus more by learning the heavenly wisdom that the opening prayer referenced today, that that collect referenced so that we can have admittance to His company. By learning about Jesus, not only can we love Him better, but we can love others better because He'll teach us how to do that. By learning about the God-man who is truth Himself, we'll be able to know ourselves others and the world, not merely by appearances, not just listening to the noise, but by judging rightly. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we actually practically do that? If that's important, if that's something that we want to do. Last week I challenged all of y'all to uh, spend five or ten minutes each day uh, meeting Jesus. If you're not doing that, every day in prayer, start doing it. Start doing it. Choose to do that right now. Figure out when you're going to do it today or tomorrow, right? Uh, to know about Jesus without meeting him is like saying you have a friend that you've never met, right? It doesn't, doesn't work very well. So, and you can, you can meet him right now, right? Like, just ask him. Say, Jesus, I want to meet you. Pray that prayer right now if you want to. We need something more, though. We need also to know about him. To get knowledge of Jesus, we have to meet him daily. But we also have to have the disciplines of silence and study. Think about John the Baptist, right? He goes out into the wilderness. Why? Silence. We don't like silence as that 10-second pause. That was literally like 10 seconds. Maybe not even 10 seconds that I just gave right there. We don't like silence because it forces us to think. But in the silence, brothers and sisters, God's voice can be heard. You can come to know Him more. So find a way, right? And I know, like if you have a family, this is hard. Right? You got kids, it is hard to find silence. Carve out some silence. If that means getting up that extra 10 minutes earlier, do it. If that means just staying up just a little bit later, not watching TV, right? Turning off everything, do it. Find a way to bring silence into your life. John goes out into the wilderness in order to cut the noise. And then he wears the same thing every day. Very simple camel, right? I don't exactly know what that would look like, but camel skin. And he eats the same thing every day. Locusts and wild honey. So I'm not suggesting that you eat the same thing every day or that you eat locusts and wild honey. But I'm saying removing distractions from your life and deciding I'm going to spend time with Jesus in the silence. That's where it's at. That's how you come to know about Him. And in that silence, let me give you a suggestion. After you've spent just a few minutes just kind of being with the Lord, 
Open up the Bible to the Gospels this week and read one of the Gospels this week. If you uh, read Mark, which is the shortest Gospel, it takes you about an hour and 20 minutes total at an average, uh, uh, like if you were to read it out loud, right? Like the entire thing or something like that. Just spend time reading, hearing the voice of the shepherd. And you notice when you read the Lord's word, you're encountering him. And and you can actually ask those same questions that the disciples ask. If you read the gospels, you'll notice that the disciples ask a lot of questions. They say, who are you? Where are you going? It's the same questions that we ask people when we meet them. Where are you staying? What are you doing? Ask those questions and learn about the one who came to save you, who loves you, that by gaining that heavenly wisdom, you might be admitted to his company when he comes in glory.